Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name's Chris Failer, and I'm here today to talk to you about video game marketing and WTF. First, a little bit about me. As I mentioned, my name is Chris Failer. I started marketing video games in 2010. I started playing them in 1985, and my childhood was just full of EGMs scattered across, Electronic Gaming Monthly scattered across my tables and game pros, and trying to beat Mega Man X2 with my best friend, and not being able to figure out why I, we couldn't save zero properly. Anyways. After joining the industry in 2010, I went on to work with some games and creators that you've probably heard about before. Um, the Borderlands, Borderlands 2 at Gearbox Software and Borderlands the pre-sequel, Homeworld Remastered Collection, re bringing Homeworld back for the first time and making it available through digital distribution, working with Justin Roiland, the, creator, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, and Tanya Watson, the executive producer of Fortnite on Trover Saves the Universe for PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and PC. And most recently with Hopu Games and Gearbox Publishing on Risk of Rain 2. Before we get into the specifics of the talk, we really have to define what marketing is and also what it isn't. There's a lot of misconceptions going around. There's a lot of people that will tell you, oh, it's easy, just do this, or just get this person to say it. Two or 300 other people are probably trying to do that exact same thing right now. So what is marketing? At a very high level, marketing is promoting, selling, and distributing a product or a service. An easier way to say that is it's anything that creates awareness or an impression. For example, awkwardly switching your font to Comic Sans in the middle of a presentation. Uh, I received some notes that, that was jarring, and that was actually the point. You paid more attention, you paid closer attention to that because something was different. Uh, that doesn't mean it was good necessarily doesn't mean it was bad but it created an impression nonetheless so once you look at it like that marketing is pretty much everything it's every aspect of your game it's anything that somebody can see and go oh shoot i want to play that now the flip side what marketing isn't marketing isn't any particular technique method or channel that's you know marketing isn't just posting on twitter or posting on instagram it's not just this or just that 
and it's not a guaranteed success by any means. And it's also not simple. The concept is simple, but the execution of it is really difficult sometimes. And it's gotten a lot harder in the last six years, specifically 2015. So what happened in 2015? Well, Steam jumped a lot. In 2010, when I started in this industry, Steam averaged one game per day and about six per week. Five years later, that had jumped almost, well, a lot. I know one to seven doesn't seem like a lot, but now we're going from six games a week to 52 games a week. Standing out about six other games, that's not really something that, as long as you're knocking it, as long as you're doing it and making an effort, you're probably gonna get some really good response. But when you're starting to talk about 52 games a week, that's a lot of competition. And more so, that's a lot of discoverability. How can someone even find your game? And of course, since then, in 2020, well, Steam saw 28 games per day on average and almost 200 games a week. That's really daunting and scary. Here's some of the numbers that I pulled from SteamSpy that informed that chart. This presentation will be available for you later. So I'm not gonna focus on any of this, but I wanted to make sure you have that information. The one call out I will make though, is that in 2020, Steam saw over 10,000 releases. 10 years ago, 320. So what does that mean for the industry? Well, as more games come out, you gotta find new ways to stand out from the crowd. And there have been some really awesome approaches and innovative techniques and even accidental viral marketing things. For example, can you pet the dog? This is a Twitter that simply asks a question, can you pet the dog? And they will post an image of the video game or a movie and say yes or no. It didn't take very long for someone named Dan Marshall to look at this and see an opportunity for marketing. Can You Pet the Dog has a lot of followers and it's very active. So Dan constructed an elaborate Easter egg in his game, Layer of the Clockwork God and made it so difficult that it would be its own news beat when it was discovered that yes, you could actually pet the dog. So what happened? Well, Dan got over half a million impressions and that video was viewed over 174,000 times in the first day pretty impressive. Those are good numbers, especially for an indie developer in a small studio. The problem is, despite all that attention, it didn't have any discernible impact on sales. 
In fact, the following day, sales after this went out, after all of this awareness and organic growth, sales were down 29% over the previous day. And the wish lists on Steam were down as well. So these people weren't even clicking through. These people weren't engaging. They were taking the, they were consuming the content and going. Why? Well, one of the things that people start to realize as they dug into that data, there are more people who follow that account for dogs than for video games. So while it's hitting a wide audience, that's not the audience that's going to convert. And when you're dealing with limited resources or a limited budget, and you're dealing with the opportunity cost of needing to make a one decision, that's really tempting when you see the first, the audience numbers, but it didn't actually do anything. So WTF, where's the fun and where, and what's the focus? Where's the fun? This is your, you got to know what your secret ingredient is, your secret sauce. And that's also a really easy thing to say and put out into the world without a lot of additional information about how to follow through on it. So to find your fun, start with what's exciting you about the project. What is the thing that is absolutely positively something you're proud of or really, really jazzed about? What's something that you're so passionate about that you just get that smile on your face and people who people can just pick up on it and see how genuine and excited you are about the product? That's a great starting point. To hone it further, pretend you're talking to a good friend. Now, what I mean by that is, let's take somebody who may not be totally familiar with your game or the industry overall. What, if anything, do they come away with looking at your product and how, furthermore, do you want them to talk about it? If you don't know how to talk about your game, your audience isn't going to know how to talk about the game. So you want to talk to a good friend. You don't want to make them feel bad. You don't want to make them feel silly for not knowing any of this. And you also don't want to bog them down with too many technical terms and jargon and information that while really relevant, isn't relevant at first. Before anything else, what you're trying to do is just make someone go, that looks cool. I want to check that out. You don't get a lot of time to do that. And you get maybe a couple chances at an impression at most. So you really have to make it count. That's where the talking to a good friend comes in. Just pretend that you're telling someone that you 
about how exciting your game is and what the feature is. Don't worry about the genre. Don't worry about the mechanics. Just communicate what it feels like. And what's great about this approach is unlike, say, can you pet the dog, this is part of something that will be customized to your game. While everybody's going through the same initial process to find this, you're ending up in radically different parts. One of the major issues that we face as an industry is that any sort of success breeds imitation. Even the perception of success can breed imitation. For example, Can You Pet the Dog Again with Dan Marshall, a lot of other people saw that. A lot of other people had the same idea. And there were a lot of other conversations that being had in studios about whether or not we should put that into the game, whether or not that should be something, a part of a community strategy. And the other major issue with initiatives like that is you can't stake your entire marketing campaign on a single beat. Getting on the front page of Kotaku is awesome, but they post so many stories a day. How long does that actually stay up? I'm not saying Kotaku, I'm not saying you shouldn't go for it, but I am saying you need a bigger plan than a single outlet or a singular approach. So what's the other half of this? Well, once you've found your fun, it's time to start figuring out what your focus is. And this is where you start really getting into some of the measurable aspects of this. You want to be able to set goals and targets that you can pull from. You want to be able to learn from this. Again, a great example. There are plenty of teams out there who will wait for an opportunity to come along to display, to make participate in a major marketing opportunity, but won't be able to do so because it's in a week and they don't have a trailer yet. That's a hard spot. You also need to define what success looks like. For example, getting a lot of Twitter followers is great. Getting mentioned by who can pet the dog is great. Or excuse me, can you pet the dog? But what does that do for you? Can you prove that that was the best use of your resources and time? It sounds really harsh sometimes to think about it in those terms. After all, this, these are video games. This is meant to be fun. I mean, it is. <laughs> it actually is. But there's the harsh reality of the business underneath that you need to know what you're trying to do. Are you wanting to recoup on your investment? Are you wanting to establish a larger pedigree for your studio? Are you using this as a launch pad? Are you hoping to use this project as a launch pad into something larger, perhaps kicking off a new franchise or a new IP overall? 
there's a lot of different ways to go about this. And then there's also ways to go about this that don't involve sales. You can use player numbers. You can, there's a lot of different backend tools and functionality within Steam and other, other platforms that will enable you to really help dive into this. So before you really start doing anything else, you want to ask yourself, what's fun about my game? And what is the focus of this effort? Do I want people to know about it now? Even though they can't buy or pre-order the game yet? Or do I want to hold off until I'm closer to release or maybe even at release itself? Conversely, well, then you only have one real shot. And if you miss that shot, you only launch once. There's no right or wrong decision here. It's more what you feel comfortable with and starting to build that out. Now, in terms of measurable goals, what does that mean? <laughs> How do you do that? Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics are going to be a huge help for you. Between Google Tag, between Google Analytics and Google Ad and Google Tag Manager, which is a mouthful to say right now, you'll be able to set up analytics on your site and you can track people, track their actions. You know, if this person came from Twitter, how many of those Twitter followers, how many people coming from Twitter are clicking the buy button or the more button? How far are they scrolling down your page? What elements of your page are they interacting with? All of these insights can be really useful as you're honing your marketing messaging and approach. However, you should also be aware of putting too much faith into app into metrics without a firm understanding of what they actually are. For example, A few years ago, Uber was spending $150 million a year on ads. After getting some pressure to stop advertising on certain platforms, Uber ended up digging a bit further and realizing that of that $150 million they were planning to spend, $100 million of that had no discernible impact. These are huge ad campaigns. These are huge buys going through all these different networks. A hundred million dollars. No discernible impact when they stopped on those vendors and sites. So why? Uber didn't, Uber smart. They had $150 million allocated for their ad budget. That's a lot of money. What happened? Well, turns out that some of those vendors they were working with were doing some interesting workarounds to game the system. For example, one ad network launched a completely separate app on the Google Play Store that would install a rootkit on your Android phone. 
And anytime you type the word Uber in Google Play, it would count as an install on Uber's end. They didn't find this out until they were digging through all of the forensics of this. And they started to realize that it would be impossible for somebody to click on, to click to install and then be in the app with an account less than a second later. So we've talked about finding your fun. We've talked about finding your focus. And we've talked about not putting too much stock in metrics unless you have them, a firm understanding of them. And yeah, just, so where do we go from here? There's a lot, <laughs> but where do you want to start? It's with competitive analysis. And this is an area where I'm constantly seeing people stumble and struggle. First, it's hard when you're trying to do a lot of different things as a small team. It's hard to track release dates. It's very hard to stay on top of the latest and know when is this game coming out. And furthermore, there are some games that might not pop on your competitive analysis radar at first. For example, if you are making a fighting game, you might look at the upcoming landscape and go, oh, sweet. There's no other fighting games for three months. I'm, this is a golden time for me. But be careful what else is going on. While you might not have any direct competitors in the gaming space, you might be overshadowed by big releases. There were tales of indie developers back in the era of Fallout 4's release who launched alongside Fallout 4 because they were so busy working on the game, they hadn't pulled their heads up to see what else was coming out. Again, you only get one chance to launch, and now you're facing off against a lot of games a day, even more per week, and it gets staggering once you factor in months and years. So be aware not just of your competitors, but of the larger AAA releases that are coming out. If you know that there's going to be a major first-party game, you also know that there's going to be a major press push and a major ad push right before. That is not a good time to get news out unless, unless you have some way to tangentially tie yourself to that. Even then, risky me. But talk more about that later. Um, marketing is full of risks. The other factor to consider, again, going beyond games, just like how AAA releases can impact you, even if you're not in your, their wheelhouse, that's also true of the larger attention economy right now. Netflix, 
Disney Plus, WandaVision, Captain and the Falcon Soldier. I didn't say that one right, did I? Sorry. Anyways, there's a lot. You wouldn't, if a game you were really looking forward to was coming out the same day as a new Marvel movie, what are you going to be talking about online? What are your friends going to be talking about? Likewise, if the Super Bowl was coming up in a few days, maybe not the best time to put something out. Um, just a lot of different factors to consider, and it's hard. There's no central resource for games to get that information. And even if there, even if there was, there are so many new games per day that it would be almost unreadable. So, but flip side to that is while we don't have a comprehensive release list covering everything, because again, that sounds like a lot and very difficult to navigate, there is a great resource out there that, full disclosure, I helped found and run to this day. That's called vgreleaselist.com. And this site tr simply tracks all the upcoming release dates for any notable major games, either games that game games that, as we discussed, would have some sort of splash or impact, be they in the indie space, the multiplayer space, the platformer space, or in the Stubbs the Zombie and Rebel Without a Pulse space. So VG releases is a great resource for you to find that. And also some of the other things, notable events. When is GDC happening? When is PAX West? When is PAX East? By the way, PAX East is June this year. It's, it's very disorienting. <laughs> but And then even going so far into pop culture, you know, um, when are these big movies coming out? When are these big shows coming out? When, when does the, when does Star Wars untitled film come out? That's all in there. And there are dates through 2027 on the pop, on the pop culture side of things. Now, Obviously, a lot the further out of the data is, the more likely it is to shift. And that's why we keep this updated pretty frequently. But there's another aspect to this that I'm really excited to show you today and that I think is going to be really useful as you're looking to do some competitive analysis because it's been really useful for me and is, in fact, the entire reason I built this site in the first place. It's direct calendar feeds. Now, don't worry about writing it all down or scrolling through that list. If you go to this site, if you go to this address, vgreleaselist.com slash feeds, you'll find the information to either to pull these up in HTML or in directly into your calendar. 
once they're on your calendar, you can toggle them on and off as you want. If you just want to see PlayStation 4 games, go for it. Just want to see Switch and Xbox One? Yep. You just want to track, what if you just want to see if there's a major upcoming beta? Yeah, you can do that too. And there's a lot of flexibility and functionality in here that can be customized. And so if you have any questions, if you have any requests, feel free to reach out about this. But I'm very excited to be able to offer this as a free resource for indie developers in the larger space because this stuff is hard. And the more that we can automate this, the more that we can use tools and technology to remove some of those pain points, the more time we have to focus on what makes everything so special and good and finding the fun and finding the focus. So once you have your competitive analysis in there, where do you go? Dan, is there something uh, something on your end, sir? No, no, I was just gonna, it, it looked, I thought you were, it was getting close to being done, but <laughs> if you're not, let's go for it. I can, um, so I'm close, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> All right, so you've got these competitive analysis tools, you know what your fun is, you know what your focus is. Great. Well, next. Well, it's a lot. Um, starting point, figure out what storefront assets you absolutely positively need. No, start planning from a minimum spec of, I know I'm going to need this. You're going to need PR for your game. Most stores and platforms require screenshots and trailers. Those trailers and screenshots have very specific requirements sometimes, both in terms of what is represented, how it's messaged, and even length, quality, recording device, etc. The sooner you can start planning for that, the sooner you can start to get that in the works when appropriate. And then if unexpected opportunities, like a major marketing opportunity pops up in the short term, you have a lot of these assets and resources on hand to capitalize upon it. Conversely, if that doesn't show up, you've already got a plan and you've already got the assets. So it's win-win. You wanna start into your strategy and tactical planning. You wanna really dig into the grit of this you want to allocate a marketing budget and, of course, determine your ideal launch window. Again, these are just very, very bare bones, high level starting points. And these are all topics I'm happy to discuss, but also topics that we don't really have time to go too into too much detail today, especially if we want to jump to some of the questions that might be coming in. So with that, Dan, I'll kick it over to you to see if we have any questions. And if not, I can go into a bit more detail about a few of these. Sure. Go, you know what? Go into a bit more detail. We don't have too many questions. I do have some questions for you, but go ahead and go into detail. Okay, great. 
Um, let me pull up. I'm going to do the part where I break from my <laughs> my rehearsals and just start going through the deck. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. let's take a deeper look into some of these steam numbers that we were talking about earlier and really die and really figure out what some of this means because i know this is a table of data and it's spreadsheets are very easy to just blur into a single block of numbers that really don't mean anything but what we can see is in 2010 again Steam had 27 games a month. And in 2020, they had 840 a month. That's a lot. That is really a lot. In fact, it is so much that I don't know how to do this math right now and keep talking at the exact same time. So you're looking at a 31% increase. Well, 31% probably isn't the accurate number. Excuse me. You're looking at a major increase of about 31 times. That's again, it's a lot. So how do you how do you know that? Excuse me. Once you found your fun. Once you found your focus, what do you do to really get this started, knowing that you're going to be facing off against a minimum of 28 games the same day you launch? Key art here is very important. All of your marketing materials, a trailer is very important. And it, these are also, again, required assets. So you're going to have to do them either way. Plan for them, make them as great as you can, and put them alongside your major competitors. Go ahead and take your screen, your proposed key art for your game, and mock, take a screen grab of the Steam bestsellers and throw your key art into that. Does it stand out? Are there any techniques that you can use to make it stand up? 
Now, just as with can you pet the dog, this is one of those where you can only optimize so far because everyone else is also doing it. But what everyone else isn't doing is having the focus and theme of your game. So you want that key art to really communicate that feeling, that awesomeness that you're trying to convey to pull somebody in and then you can tell them all about the game on your store page. Then you can tell them more about what the mechanics are. But first you need to grab their interest and that can be visual, that can be mechanical, that can be technical. There's so many different ways and options for you to explore that. You just don't wanna fall into the trap where your assets and your efforts are the same as everybody else's because that's one guaranteed way to make sure that you are not going to stand out for the crowd. Another question that I get a lot is when should I start community planning? How do I approach this in the first place? As part of your, as part of what you're doing, you want to at very first, Sorry, let me retry that. As part of what you're doing there, you're going to want to think about your audience and what aspects of the game resonate with which audiences. For example, if you are making, again, fighting game, you're gonna have at least two different audiences that you're speaking to. One are super hardcore fighting game enthusiasts. These are the diehard people that really care, that are really dedicated to the genre and are super detail oriented. On the flip side, you're also gonna have an audience that doesn't care about any of that. They recognize it, they see it, but it doesn't mean anything to them. Instead, that audience wants something different. And that is to be convinced that this game is worth your time. To, be, to know that I'm gonna play this and it's gonna be awesome. And no matter how, you know, it looks great. It really, com again, communicates that feel. So what you're really looking at here is two audiences, hardcore, and what I like to call the wide cat, the wide audience. The wide audience probably doesn't know your game exists. They won't know that your game exists until it's out. They're not gonna, they're not going to react very well if you're trying to get them to engage with a product that isn't available because there are so many other options in front of them right now. Again, attention economy. So the approach that I tend to suggest is that you focus on your hardcore first. You cultivate that relationship with your most diehard fans. Start as soon as possible. That doesn't mean you have to go out on Twitter. That doesn't mean you have to do this or do that. Just find a way that when appropriate for your project, 
you start those conversations early. The benefit of doing this is that these people become your enthusiasts. They help spread that word of mouth. And when it comes to your wide, when it comes to your launch and the asset that speaks to everybody and people that didn't know what the game is because it looks so amazing and now they have to play it. These people are in are spreading word of mouth. These people are on the forums. They're in your discord telling everybody just how legit your game is. You ought to really capitalize on this. What you need to do is sit down and identify what you think the fun elements are, fun and focus for your hardcore audience versus your casual audience, people that may not know about your game or the genre yet, but people who are very, very familiar with it or people who are very, very susceptible to playing that type of game when it gets in front of them. Excuse me. All right, Dan, um, I am just about wrapping up here. All righty, um, I'm here. That was great stuff, Chris. We do got some questions. Oh, awesome. And, and I know you do have a hard stop. So uh, what I'll do is I'll let you go like five minutes before your hard stop, which your hard stops at the top of the hour, right? Yes, thank you. Awesome. I dig those glasses. Oh, I appreciate that. I was thinking about getting different colored ones, but like, and then I got, see, they're straight, right? They go straight back instead of uh, curving in around my big head. Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Nightwolf. Nightwolf has a question here. Nightwolf from Twitch. What should you do if something majorly negative happens in the world that can somewhat relate to your game's content and it is around your game's release day? So this is one of the unknown risks that you're always going to face with, with any sort of entertainment content. And I was actually working at EB games when nine 11 happened. And I remember, I remember just how much that messed up all the game releases for that entire month. Uh, things were postponed. Some things even got flat out canceled. Um, there was a dreamcast game called propeller arena that was never released because of 9-11. So the question, Nightwolf, to your question, first, you need to look at your game and determine, is this an appropriate, would releasing this be a good move for my values as a company? Is it in line with my values for the game? Will this cause people to have a negative perception of the game? Is that perception going to lessen over time? For example, if you wait two weeks, three weeks, two months to release, will it not be as fresh in people's minds? And if it's really central to your game, you know, if it's really something that's in there and you know, that's immutable. That's a, it's something to figure out and discuss. Again, some games, some of the content has just been, that's had some of these instances, has been something that could be patched out or removed. Um, other games have just 
completely canceled themselves and asked that all physical copies be destroyed. Um, several Microsoft Xbox 360 era, Xbox and Xbox 360 era games had that happen, including Two Human. All right. And ask that all copies be destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> ordered by court, actually. Really? Yep. So really what they're saying is, uh, let's make this a collector's item. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, all right, so Oxonian Games from YouTube. Here's a great one. Besides looking at upcoming releases, what other factors should you consider when determining a launch window? This is a great question. And it's also representative of how wide games have gotten. It used to, uh, it, again, used to be, hey, there's 27 games. There's 27 games maybe this month total. You'd stand out really easy. Uh, what other factors should you consider? There's a lot of, there's a lot of fiscal year information that you can discern from this from your major publishers. So if you go and look at some of the major publishers, um, you can figure out when their fiscal quarters start and end by looking at their invest, uh, investor reports. They're always going to release these investor reports on a quarterly schedule or bi-quarterly schedule, and they will often tie major releases to this as well or major announcements. So you can start to plan, hey, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't do this. You know, this is the end of the fiscal quarter. Ubisoft is probably Ubisoft is probably going to release Far Cry around here. They've said they're going to release Far Cry here. Um, another thing to factor in is just what's happening larger again in the video game industry. Um, is there new hardware launching? Can people actually get the new hardware? Are you on the new hardware? Um, also beware of the holidays, November, October, November, December. Those are really tough months. Everybody's shopping. Everybody's pushing hard to get people to buy their game. And when I say everybody, I also mean that your big AAA publishers are pumping millions into ad spend. They're trying to outspend each other, and it's an arms race that smaller developers cannot compete in. Um, instead, this is where you look towards some of those alternate channels and alternate ways to get your message out. But higher revision, really, if you have to launch during some of those times, make sure you've got a really good case and a really solid approach. That's excellent. Excellente. Uh, there's another one here. Uh, what are your thoughts, tips on engaging an audience using Discord? Do high user numbers on a game's Discord server lead to better sales, higher fan engagement, or both? Or none? This is a, this is a question that could very well be an all-day conversation. Um, really... It's going to be different for every game. It's going to be different for every project you have. It's going to be different for every game and every studio. Some studio, it also depends on what sort of relationship you want to be having with your friends, or excuse me, with your community. 
do you, is it the best use of your time? If you're in a small company, how much time are you spending managing a relationship with a small group of people mm-hmm. versus what are you doing to grow that community? And that's not just discord. That's overall, you constantly have to be thinking about what am I doing to grow this, to, to get new players into this, to get new users on board, high user numbers on a server can go either way. It's really going to depend on how the project itself supports it. If there's, if you're buffeted by major content releases that include elements of fan feedback or addressing fan concerns, that's amazing. You're going to get a really, really, really tight knit community. Who's going to help you out with a lot of feedback and future vision. And also probably some feedback that you don't want to have and won't follow (laughs) for sure. But again, it really just depends. It's hard. What I would suggest doing here so that I am giving you an actual answer instead of talking around it is look at the larger space, look at similar games to you. Also look at the studios that you want to emulate. What sort of relationship do you want to have with your fans? Look at what other people are doing and make a mood board, make a, make a Frankenstein's monster, make a list of all the different aspects and then assemble what's going to work for you. Um, and how you really think you can capitalize upon that, you know, there between steam spy and social blade, there's a lot of different analytics that you can pull. And while steam spy is not as accurate as it once was, it's still really good for a ballpark. All right. It's kind of along the lines of also like, uh, do I want to have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok, and have like 10 social media accounts when really you should just be focusing on the two or three that are really working the greatest. Right. Right. And that's the, that's the higher question is, well, then what ones are right for me, you know, and the approach would then be, Start with all of them, not not do all of them, but hey, when you're thinking about your game title, when you're first laying out these community plans, go ahead and park that your social accounts on every single platform that you can. Not because you're gonna use it, but because you want to have that on hand if you do. Oh there yeah, are games that where they've launched and the community has grown and overtaken in other areas. You know, the Reddit grows, the subreddit grows larger, or the Discord grows larger. So it's an ever-going, evolving, fluid thing. But really, this is where you, again, want to start with, what are my vision? What is my goal? What are And how can I measure that? So what's the fun? What's the focus? Yeah, and uh, you, you want to make sure you have your names for everything, right? Mm-hmm. You want to like have your Twitch name, your because later on you don't want. Oh crap! I should have made a Twitch in this name, and they go there, and there's a bunch of people that already have the name of your game as their Twitch account, and you're like, what do you have to like? What I did with mine on Twitter, the real indie, you know, because yeah. indie was already taken, but indie was a, indie <laughs> was like a blessing and a curse at the same time because oh, it's indie. That's a great name. No, have you ever searched it? <laughs> when I was streaming 14 hours a day, seven days a week, I was on the front page of Google, but it was down a couple, you know, but now it's like, if you search me on Google, it's, 
All right, let's go to here. Nagy Thomas, uh, the, there was a where do we go from here side that you talked about, but said we don't have time for today. Can you tell me someplace where I can learn more about yeah. these gaming marketing? Absolutely. So there are a lot of resources out there, but the question, the, here's the hard part. How do you trust somebody? <laughs> right? You're going to get, there's so many different options to choose from and it's, how do I even know what the landscape is and what I should be asking in the first place? Mm -hmm. And that's where you want to either find somebody who's an expert in marketing or hire somebody or a specialist or a consultant to just give you some initial guidance there and help you get your bearings. Uh, uh, one hour with a subject matter expert is going to be incredibly useful to you. And one great resource beyond VG release list is uh, you can also reach out to me directly. Uh, my emails at my email is Chris at VG And I'm happy to chat with you and look at ways we can work together is this stuff is hard and it shouldn't be making games is hard. Making games is hard enough as it is uh, without worrying about all the rest of this. So a lot of what I'm trying to do from my end is make it as streamlined as possible for everybody else to do their jobs. Right. Right. And, and you know, it's like uh, if you're a programmer and you don't make art, you hire someone to make your art because they have experience and training and they know how to do it. And they know, you know, like if the animation, right. You ever seen the animator from an animator that, just like learned how to animate, you know, this year compared mm -hmm. to someone that's been animating for 10 years, you know? Um, so it's the same way with marketing. Sure. You have access to all the stuff and all the social media accounts and all the, everything it's right there, but who do you think is going to do it better? Someone that's been trained for a while or have worked on a bunch of games or, you know, you, are you just going to wing it and read a bunch of stuff off the internet? It's really, you know, what you can afford what you can do because some people can't afford it and and that's totally understandable then you you have to be a jack of all trades and learn everything i remember um reading about uh like developers would get a budget for their game well then they oh man you know oh we got to market this game it's going to release next week no 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 how much money do you need for marketing the thing that i was told was as much money as it's going to take to make your game that's how much money you need to for marketing right because if nobody sees your game, no matter how freaking awesome it is, the chances are nobody's going to see your game, right? Yep. Uh, let's see. What do we got? We got time for one more question. All right, Dan, um, I want to jump one thing real quick. I just want to get another solid answer. There's a book called The One-Page Marketing Plan. Mm -hmm. if, you can't do an, if you can't do anything else, at the very least, get that. They On their website, they have a free worksheet there. And it walks you through a lot of the initial stages of how do I find my fund? How do I talk to people all the way through the end of the sales funnel? Good page marketing plan. I will make sure I will update this spreadsheet. I will update this deck with a link to it after the presentation. Oh, excellent. And actually, we don't have time for another because I have to bounce over to the other thing and get it set up. Thank you so much, Chris. I know you got a hard, hard a hard stop. If you guys have questions, go into the Discord, and then whenever Chris is done, he said he would so kindly come back and 
and answer those questions, which I think is awesome. So thank you so much. That was a great talk. And I just love those glasses, dude. I thought about getting different colored glasses, but I'm like, no. They'd go no. pretty well with your pack, man. Well, they would. They would go perfect. But that's not going to be right there for long, so because we're moving. Yes, thank you guys. Uh, tune in for the next talk. The next talk is blah, 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 localization Q, QA. Yay or nay? Hey. Um, and that's with Alexa, Alexi. He's going to be here. And then after that, we have diverse game development fun. What you need to know, that's Nika Noir, Sarah Spears, and Andre Mazur. That's going to be an awesome talk as well. So stick around, everybody. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.